0: welcome to another episode of box out banter no that is not chris okamura introducing this pod like he normally does it is i jordan christmas but chris is here too chris how are you doing (laughs) not bad not bad the nba season we were talking about it a little before we started recording but the season is tomorrow it's raining. yeah like media day happened today um for some teams, some teams are going to do it tomorrow. Then training camp this week, the NBA released their preseason schedule, which will preseason will start on December 11th. It's a quick turnaround. Like, I and I'll admit it, like, I've had some trouble keeping up with it. It's unprecedented times, not really used to the speed. It seems like everything happened in like five days. But, you know, you miss some free agency signings here and there. And as you're doing notes and preparing and researching, To preview the season you're just like oh that happened oh this happened but all of that out of the way um we are going to do a new thing for the next two episodes we're going to preview the nba season i came up with this idea brought it to chris he was totally on board so if anybody ever follows any esports of any kind or me personally i like to watch fighting games There's a thing called a tier list, and usually tier lists, they rank the characters, which one's the best mechanically, which one had flaws and all that, and they rank them accordingly. So I figured instead of doing the old boring, let's preview every team and every playoff team in the West, I wanted to do a tier ranking. And part of this is also because I'm still working on doing a tier list video of the best players in the nba where i rank the nba players via tier rather than rank rather than ranking them one number, two three right? four five yeah. by number um so this is a little test run to see how this works and see if i could tweak with the project a little bit but i think this is a more unique take on rankings chris uh, it, it should be a lot more fun i think
1: i've done this in the past and, and it, it it just gives you a more uh because a lot of times there's like groupings of teams. Like there's pretty big spaces between them. And so like just ranking them by number doesn't really give you an accurate assessment of what you feel about these teams. Right. Um, like
0: some teams can still be a contender, but you don't consider them the favorite or there's right. like a like team this, with like high to, upside. So spoilers, the second best team in the West,
1: the gap between the Lakers and the second best team right now is pretty large.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and um, we're, we're, so I guess uh, with that, with that intro, we should just get into it. <laughs> um, yeah. I... So tier one, aka tier A. If again, uh, doing the esports correlate or team S. Ex- excuse it's me, tier the S. S, but... S category is usually the highest. Tier one S category, aka the I named it the team with LeBron. And last I checked, the yeah, team so with it's LeBron your championship
1: favorite. It's your
0: it's your the Los Angeles Lakers. Your
1: go-to favorite <laughs> team. Uh, they
0: should be the go-to favorites, to be honest. I don't. Yeah, see...
1: I don't think that's a question. No, the... it's
0: not. They got better in the off season. They got they bolstered their bench. They got an upgrade at point guard. Um, we talked about it last uh, a little bit last week, but the Lakers somehow got better, and they still have LeBron and Anthony Davis, who are two of the top five tier one franchise players in the NBA.
1: Yeah, and I don't think. And the thing is, not only are they two top five players in the NBA, but they are the perfect complements to each other, yeah. in in almost every way. And so it's such a unique situation for them to be in. But now they have. I feel like last year, Polanka and the Lakers were kind of hamstrung because they were stuck waiting for Kawhi for so long that they kind of Agreed. they kind of were picking from the scrap pile at the end. Obviously, they got some good players still, and they got they they won a championship, so you can't really say picking from scrap pile. But I mean, there were a lot of they didn't they didn't really have time to. They they were on plan B and C at a certain point, like you can tell this year, especially after obviously any team that wins a championship, you're going to have players that want to come that want to come for a discount that want to ring that want to to play with lebron that want to play with lebron and ad like you know you have that already now that's established as a a thing that works uh you have a more obviously having the championship is going to have more of an impact of like okay cool yeah come play for a discount like a montrose harrell thing like i don't think he would have come if we hadn't won the championship right or at least for that price tag uh but i mean the thing is that they got better in almost every way you can conceivably think of. And I think that even the concerns that you would have, like my biggest concern was with Montrose Harrell, but I think like and his defense and like what we've talked about, we talked about last week was it's not really that big of a concern because his, his defensive issues last year came when he was guarding larger bigs and fives where the he was also
0: kind of left out to dry in the scheme. right
1: because he was the only five that the Clippers would consistently play so they would have him out there and you know Zubach can't cover for him and then if Zubach's not on the floor Montrose Harrell is the biggest guy and he's playing the five mm-hmm. and so now when you have the Lakers he's going to be playing alongside Anthony Davis or Mark Saul who are unbelievable defensive players, or if he does play the five, he's going to have a highly switchable wing or four with him. So like a, uh, Marquis Mo- or Marcus Morris or Marquise Morris and, or like a Kyle Kuzma. Right.
0: But he also has, uh, he also, because um, cousin with the Clippers, he had his dance partner, his tag team dance partner in Lou Williams for pick and roll. But now he has Dennis Schroeder. And I wanted to ask you actually real quickly, because there was a quote today, about Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder basically said, I'm done with the bench stuff. It was cool in OKC, but I'm ready to start now, which, you know, he's 27. He hasn't really gotten consistent starting jobs at this point. So I'd say I get where he's coming from his perspective. But I wanted to actually kind of ask you, what do you think about Schroeder in a starting lineup? Because, you know, at first glance, you hear it and you're like, oh, my God, really? Like the Lakers starting lineup seems pretty set. But I'm looking at the roster. I was looking at it heading into this, and it, I it's possible he could start. I mean, he he'd obviously. I think he'll be in closing lineups a lot yeah. for the Lakers. But what do you think about him as a starter? Because he could take KCP's job. I think. I think. I think,
1: he, I think he'd, he'd take Wes Matthews' job before he takes KCP's job.
0: I think Wes Matthews was better than KCP last year. That's why I say KCP would go first, but. I mean, I either think, or, I honestly.
1: Just, yeah, I think just just depending on how much they're getting paid and like the veteran sort of savvy with KCP being in that starting lineup all last year, I don't think he loses that job. I think yeah, fair. it's more of, of Matthews sitting off the bench, coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, like you said, I don't think the starters really matter. I think it no. comes down to closing lineups and playing time, and I don't think that's going to be an issue. Uh, apparently, Schroeder, there's... Sources saying the Lakers haven't locked down any starting lineup, but that Rob, uh, AD, and LeBron have all been in conversation with Schroeder this entire time. So I'm assuming that he wouldn't say that unless there's some kind of indication that that's going to happen. You know, unless he's just talking out of his ass, which, you know, highly, highly could, whatever. But I mean, the thing is that I don't think he would make a statement like that without. If he is in conversation with LeBron and AD and, and Palenka, I don't think he would, that would just come out of nowhere. Right. Um, so I think it is under consideration. My concern and my big thing is the reason I loved Rondo coming off the bench is because it gave it gave them a chance to it gave like a like a head ahead of the snake so to speak. It to gave a structure unit.
0: to the second unit.
1: Right. Where now as much as I love Alex Caruso, I don't think he is the guy that's going to be able to head that snake. And the bench he's unit. not
0: he's not a pure point guard in the sense of where what to do, how to set up the offense and right you set the table up, I agree
1: so you know that's my big concern, and so to me, you'd want to stagger LeBron and Schroeder's minutes at least earlier in the game, and then as it flows, you see how it goes. but I think as yeah. a set is a set thing. I think Schroeder off the bench is smarter in the same way that we used Rondo, where well, Rondo played starter minutes, but he was a bench guy
0: I agree, and like. Shooter, shooter coming off the bench last year, he averaged almost 19 points a game, and his true shooting percentage was 57.5, which was just above league average. But a guard coming off the bench giving you league average efficiency at 19 points per game, not to mention four assists, and he was part of that deadly crunch time lineup OKC had. I mean, starter's just a nominal thing at this point because there's right. just so much lineup versatility in today's NBA that people go in and out there's going to the closing lineup is what really matters but as far as the Lakers go I mean that, I just posed that question because it just illustrates how much I, I think more than anything the Lakers obviously got better upgrades but I think where the Lakers really upgraded was their lineup versatility and look they're already going to have versatile lineups when you have LeBron and Anthony Davis um but getting Mark Gasol so you can yeah. have a more cleaner fit with a two big lineup with if you wanted to do Gasol and AD or LeBron and Marc Gasol or you know do a lineup of Dennis Schroeder, Wes Matthews, KCP, Mark Gasol, and throw in whoever else you at the four, Kuzma, your boy. <laughs> um or Mar- or Markeith Morris. Uh the, the, the Lakers is- can also run normal lineups without having LeBron and AD on the court. So if Frank Vogel was like we're going to have stretches with LeBron and Anthony Davis both out of the game at the same time, which did happen sometimes last year. Um, the Lakers could be able to stay afloat more,
1: right? And again, I I think you bring up a great point of line of versatility. I don't see any holes in their in their team, and like this is coming from a Lakers fan, so like take it a grain of salt. But like, I don't see any kind of holes where there is a player or a team or a style that's going to give them trouble.
0: Yeah. Where I can think play of, many styles
1: where I think like, Oh, okay. If they run into this, that's a problem where they have enough versatility and enough bodies where I'm not scared of anyone, which is terrifying to think about.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And that is why the Lakers are, the clear favorite to me to win the title i know we'll talk about the east next week but i'd even put the i'd even put them in the bucks i'd put a chasm between them and the bucks as well but i think there's
1: a clear difference
0: yeah so jumping from a grand canyon size what from one side of a grand canyon size gap to the other side is tier two tier a the contenders and I don't at this point. I think maybe our list will probably start to differ, but I'm going to give you my two contenders or I'm going to give you my two teams that I put in this category. If you have anything different, we could talk about the difference. Um, we can't do all 15 teams because it'd be a 15 hour podcast, sure, yeah. which I'd be down for, but I don't think the list. <laughs> but my team, I have the Clippers and the Nuggets. Um, I put the Clippers actually ahead of the Nuggets in this, and I know the Nuggets came back last year and beat the Clippers 3-1, or came back from a 3-1 deficit and beat the Clippers 4-3 in the uh, second round of the playoffs. And I know everybody on Twitter got their jokes off. I know Laker fans were just sitting back, sipping cognac, acting like Shannon Sharp with a black and mild in their mouth, just like, see, Mm, what about them Clippers? But regardless, I still think the Clippers are the second-best team in the West. I think Ibaka was a clear upgrade over Mart- Montrez Harrell, it if you're talking about lineup versatility, I think ha- I think getting Serge Ibaka actually upgrades the Clippers lineup versatility because you could play him and Zubac together. You can obviously have Ibaka at the 5 without getting bullied by guys like Anthony Davis and Jokic. You're not going to stop those guys, but Harrell really had no shot yeah. at defending these guys, especially when the Clippers left him out to dry. Like, I was wondering sometimes why Doc wouldn't sometimes just put Kawhi or Paul George on Jokic just to mix it up. Not saying that they could body up Jokic on the block, but you know, mix up the coverages a little bit. But if you're just, but if Ty Lu, if Ty Lu changes the scheme around a little bit, e- even if he doesn't, Sergi Baca is a nice addition. I also like that they got <laughs> Luke Kennard uh, on draft night in that uh, three way trade. Um, In place of Landry Shamit, I love Landry Shamit. I think he's a really good shooter. I think his defense is actually not as bad as people make it out to be. But Luke Kennard can handle the ball a little bit more. He can shoot more off the dribble and on the move. And he has had injury issues. But I think the Clippers signing or trading for Luke Kennard actually helped bolster their bench a little bit. Um, they re-signed Marcus Morris Sr. to a four-year, $64 million contract, which made me pass out. Yeah, I don't but, know where that came from. But <laughs> regardless, yeah, they lost Montrezl Harrell. Jamichael Green was important. Landry Shamit was important. Rodney McGruder hardly played. But my problem with the Clippers and why I still think there's a large gap between them and the Lakers, despite having Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, depending on still doesn't matter how you feel about him is because they haven't addressed the problem of too many cooks in the kitchen and having somebody who can set up the table. When, when you put somebody like Pat Beverly in the starting lineup and really no other point guards who have the ability to set up the table uh, next to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, to me, that's, you you saw it last year when Kawhi Leonard got better as a playmaker. But he's not Ben Simmons. He's not LeBron. He's not Luka. If you put the ball in Kawhi's hands, he's going to give you an efficient 35 and 5 and like 7 rebounds, and it will give you his defense, right? But there isn't...
1: I think, all, I think everything everything else in his game takes a step back, though, when he has to play make that
0: much. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't think the Clippers address that at all.
1: And no, I... and I think the other concern... I know, I, I love Serge Ibaka. I wanted Serge Ibaka to be a Laker instead of Montez Harrell. We talked about this last week. But the That would have been was, nasty. The thing, is, <laughs> the, the thing is, with, Mont- with Serge Ibaka, is it still doesn't solve their size issue. When you think about the guys that they have to defend in, in the West, right?
0: I so think it does like, a little bit. I think it,
1: it, does, it-, it helps, but it doesn't fully... I would have I loved to see them get an upgrade to Zubak. Rather than like a, a, aside from the Ibaka thing, like get a second big center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I w- you, you, I'm trying to think of like just kind of like a Tyson Chandler type of guy that's just going to rim protect and be there. Like, I, I think JaVale would have been a perfect Clipper.
0: Or maybe Willie Cauley Stein, if he didn't resign, right? Like one of Mavericks those guys, or somebody that could jump and you know protect the rim a little bit behind Zubat, because I think right. he's actually a decent young player, so even though I, Magic threw him under the bus and was poo-pooing his improvements. Yeah, I feel I, a bad,
1: but I mean the thing, the thing is, I think he got the short end of the stick of that Laker deal. I think that was a, a huge panic move by Magic to
0: try to save face. But how um, do you feel about how do you feel about Because he was drafted last year. I'm um, in the first round, and you know, obviously, I think he got more notoriety than anything that he was Dikembe Mutombo's nephew, I believe. Right. Uh, but can, do you think maybe he takes a leap and kind Possibly, of backs up? It,
1: again? Like I think when you have a team like the Lakers who are big, you have yeah, the Nuggets who run, the who run who run everything through their bigs. Then you mm-hmm. have teams coming up. You have the Mavericks with Porzingis. You have the Blazers, who still have Nurkic, who's an issue down low, and Zach Collins, if he's healthy. They have you have the Suns, who has Deandre Ayton. You have the Jazz, who have Rudy Gobert, who is a defensive issue, and then possibly the Warriors, if Wiseman gets going. You Mm -hmm. have you have now the The Rockets if Christian Wood gets going. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You have you have the top of the West, where yes, it's it's still about skill. But you now have these skilled bigs coming in. Where if you don't have someone to defend them, Zubak is a throwback center. Mm-hmm. Zubak is a back to the basket, slow footed plotting center,
0: <laughs> and it right. doesn't.
1: It doesn't. He he gets lost in the shuffle against uh, Anthony Davis or a or uh, Kristaps Porzingis or something like that. The reason why it worked so well with the Lakers last year is because while Dwight and Javale are those big centers they're so athletically gifted that they're Mm -hmm. able to stick with at least defensively and even at their age right and challenge yep and it comes down to the athleticism and i don't see any level of that athleticism from the big spot from the clippers which is concerning to me
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i still think ibaka has some left but you're right like that zubach isn't vertically gifted um who knows with cabin Gelly. The thing with Ibaka again.
1: I love Ibaka, but it's the age, and he's not seven feet tall. <laughs> he yeah, he's not going to be able to stop an Anthony Davis or a Jokic or a Porzingis if, yeah. if it comes down to crunch time and like they're they want to get a bucket, they're going to get a good shot.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, let's just uh go to the Nuggets because I think the Nuggets are still. Nuggets had an interesting playoffs and I don't know, we have to do a podcast episode about how much we're maybe underrating or overrating how much the bubble had an effect on these playoff teams. And maybe that there was maybe no crowd kind of helped some teams a little bit or something like that, but I sure. have to give the Nuggets full credit. They made it to the conference finals. They came back from two, three, one deficits. The only team in NBA history to do that in the playoffs back to back. I should add, um, they lost to the Lakers in uh, five and notable additions. They added Campazzo, the point guard from overseas. I really don't know too much about him. They got You're Jermichael right. Green from the Clippers. They drafted Zeke. Uh, I can't, I'm going to butcher his last name, so I'm not going to try to attempt <laughs> uh Zeke, Zeke Naj, I think. Um, and then, they, of course, your guy, RJ Hampton. Who they got in a draft day trade? And then they signed our. Uh, What's signed up with the, them?
1: An Australian point guard? Didn't they draft Dante Exum too? No, that was the Jazz. Okay, the that's jazz, right.
0: The draft, the Jet. Ja- yeah, that was the other, the other team with high altitude <laughs> that drafted Dante Exum, and then they uh, signed Arzea Hartenstein to the minimum. So of course, the notable subtractions they lost their best perimeter defender, Jeremy Grant. They lost Mason Plumley, who was actually a good backup for Jokic because they could run some of the same stuff through Plumley because he's a good passer. And they lost Torrey Craig. Even with the losses, because that's three guys in your rotation, your eight-guy rotation, right, um, that you like to use. You re-sign Paul Millsap. It, it, was his resurgence in the back half of the playoffs real, or is his age going to come back to bite him in the ass this season who knows but regardless they have a tier one franchise player in Nikola Jokic who this season I put sadly I put over Joel Embiid as the best center in basketball that debate might actually be rekindled again to start this season just FYI but Jokic is a tier one top seven franchise player he's the best passing big man in history already and the Nuggets now have, in two playoffs, they have been on the cusp of a Western Conference Finals, and they've been to the Western Conference Finals, especially when nobody thought so. What do you think about the... Is there really... To you, is there a difference between the Clippers and Nuggets? Did Should I have, the, should I have had the Nuggets ahead of the Clippers after, beat, after they beat the Clippers in the playoffs last year? What's your feeling? What's your temperature on the Nuggets?
1: So, I'm a big Jokic guy. So, I agree with you 100% and everything you said there. I am not a Jamal Murray fan. Like, I think Jamal Murray got hot and he has the tendency to get hot. I think he, people, every, all the accolades he got well deserved in the bubble. But I think that if people expect that level from him consistently, I think that's a little overrating him. Um,
0: I think he could reach 85% of that on a consistent basis if he sure. finally becomes. The three point shooter we all expect him to be because if you look at his three point numbers like his three point um percentage it's not it's not as good as you would think i mean he shot 34.6% last year he's a career 35.8% three point shooter and remember in kentucky he was touted as a three point shooter but if he can reach eighty, I think he can reach eighty-five percent of that on a consistent basis. And if he does, the Nuggets have themselves a guy who I think could be the second or third best guy on a finals contender. I mean, they were a series away from it, so. Right. So yeah,
1: I, I again, I think losing Jeremy Grant is a is a decent enough loss, but I think JerMichael Green kind of does help them out a little bit, yeah, to, to fill that gap. I don't think that's a huge drop off. Um. But yeah, I I like I like the Nuggets. I just think that the star power of Kawhi and Paul George is again, if they can get it working, if they can get everything functioning correctly, in theory, the Clippers should be better than the Nuggets. And again, they showed that for three three games of a series, um, and for for most of
0: the other For four most games, of yeah, for most of Game uh, Five when they were supposed to close it out. Yeah.
1: So I mean, you know, we've. I again a lot of it comes down to I think what the Clippers are. And it comes down to like the big question that we were asking. Well, so I don't know if you want to get into it now. We do have big questions to talk about later. Um and one of my big questions Oh, if
0: if one of your big questions is about one of these two teams, let's let's do it. Oh, so yeah,
1: like one of my big questions about the West is what are the Clippers? Right. And so there was this huge all the talk going into last season was the clippers are dogs, they add two superstars, they're going to continue to be dogs and they're going to be this like rough and tumble hard working team which again we learned was a total lie and a total fabrication of like yeah, you can't just add two two star players to a core and think that they're going to retain the same identity that doesn't happen.
0: Oh yeah, I mean it's bared um, out right with uh when Harold was basically it- I mean, it's paraphrasing a little bit, but Harold was basically the source of all the... Yeah, he called them all out. He called them all out. He was the... He... he, Which... I have a little bit of something to say about that. Like, yeah, two superstars joined your team. Yeah, they're going to get fucking different treatment. Like, that's just how... It is, no, I to- but I totally, but get, I totally get, I also get it from Harold's perspective. Like the Clippers were a fun team to watch in 2017, 18, before they added all or 2018, 19, before they added all the stars. Right. And they, they were dogs. Pat Bev was yakking a lot, um, playing. Pat, being Be- up was in being Pat, Bev. Pat Bev was being Pat Bev. Uh, Montres Harrell was the energizer bunny for that crowd. The Clippers won 48 games. They were absolutely fun but unfortunately that identity goes away when you add two high level players such as those two. Yeah. So I get what you're saying about, you know, yeah, they were they were dogs the year before, but adding two superstars and one who's really quiet and one who kind of flames out in the playoffs and it seems like honestly Paul George was kind of the source of the discontent. I think people recognize Kawhi's resume. But I think Paul
1: George so again we talked about this last week too i think paul george is a choker, and i think that like he carries himself like he does have a resume where mm-hmm. he doesn't yeah and i think that rubs players and he gave himself lot.
0: and he gave himself a nickname
1: yeah and I th- unless you're Kobe right you can't do that and the thing and the thing was kobe gave himself that that nickname when he already had a resume so you can't you know whatever but, so the point the point i'm making is like there's a I totally agree with you that like, yeah, stars are going to get different treatment. I think there's a certain way to go about doing that and a certain way Mm -hmm. that stars have to stars have to take that responsibility of being a star. And I don't know if that happens.
0: Right. I'm saying. Yeah, I don't, there was, well, especially like, how can you get chemistry when Kawhi is load managing every other game with what seems like a chronic leg issue. Something's Um, wrong
1: with him that we don't know about. And yeah,
0: he I mean he's talked he's talked about it vaguely before and reporters have kind of just flat out have been saying it on TV without Kawhi actually saying anything. It's yeah. he's had a chronic leg issue going all the way back to his before he left the, with the Spurs, which I think yeah, was the so I, don't know. Of I don't
1: know how long he has
0: left to play at this level. i know that's kind of crazy to think about i don't (laughs) know you don't know how long he has left yeah uh, and i think
1: again i think he's trying to prolong it as much as possible but you saw last year like he sort of just ran out of steam
0: because he started out strong in the nugget series but then you could tell like his lift started to go away like by the time game seven hit
1: he was taking a lot of he was taking a lot of mid-range jumpers with very little lift lift.
0: yeah you're like okay
1: this is weird uh so yeah i you know i don't know i don't know what how they're going to do that and again like i think at at the at their ideal peaks i think the clippers are better than the nuggets but again it's it comes down to over the course of a series can they who's going to pull that out
0: and Um, that and that factor of the guy who is the central hub of an offense whether and it doesn't have to be an elite point guard or something but somebody has to have the playmaking role and the nuggets have and then what what's that it's the head of a snake. Like, yeah, you can't, it's the head of the like, snake. The like, Jokic is the ultimate engine of an offense. like, right. And that's the one thing the Nuggets have. Well, it showed in the ser- this past series, the Nuggets have Jokic and the Clippers don't, even when they have a tier one franchise player like Kawhi and maybe a tier two player in Paul George. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I don't know what the Clippers are. We're going to find out this year because I think Ty Lu is an underrated coach. I think he um, I think his reputation kind of got dampened because it's like, oh, he uh, led LeBron to the finals. How easy is that? It's like, well, actually, that's very hard. If you know how LeBron operates and you've seen how LeBron has operated for his whole career is very yeah. businesslike. He's very high demanding and Ty Lue. In the halftime of Game 7 of the NBA Finals, got in LeBron's face and told him what it was if they wanted to win. And guess what? They won. I think – and Ty Lue is an underrated X's and O's guy. I just think – I think um, in terms of the Doc-Ty Lue switch switch out, I actually think it was the right hire, but not because I don't think Ty Lue is necessarily a better coach than Doc Rivers, but I think Ty Lue is more relatable to the players. He's won a championship more recently – than Doc Rivers uh Doc Rivers and that whole Celtics team is still running on fumes from that 08 championship I,
1: I still don't understand why they get no one has gotten more clout over a championship than the 08 Celtics
0: if you're on the 08 Celtics you get a television show you get you get a spot on the jump um you stay in yeah, the Doc head coaching Henry. game for 20 years you get a documentary nah but no Doc is a good coach but in all seriousness um yeah to answer your question I don't know what the Clippers are but I do think they are still contenders, but there is still one team in LA and that's I, can, I hate to say it, but it's the Lakers.
1: <laughs> I can see it I can see it too and it, we're going to get into this later. I I think I could see it where the Clippers are a, an amazing team and I can also see it where the Clippers are what they were last
0: year and just dysfunctional as hell. And then Kawhi and Paul George opt out <laughs> of and, or, and of the deals and then the Clippers are back to being the Clippers which uh would be funny and time is a flat circle. But on to tier three, tier B, the high octane playoff teams. And what I mean by high octane is, you know, you're playing Need for Speed or some racing game (laughs) or something, and you have a very mid car, not necessarily up there with the best cars, but you need a little nitrous oxide to put yourself in the running to maybe have a chance, a chance to win this race. And having high octane stuff you need to have some players that'll give you some upside. So my tier three, and you can let me know if you have any differences in yours. I have Blazers first, Mavericks second, Suns a very close, I would say two B, and then I have the jazz. Okay. So I would just
1: drop the jazz down a peg. Okay. I'm not, let's talk about the jazz. Let's
0: talk about the jazz first then, because I, I, I I well, uh, let's just start with it. So, why would you put the Jazz in tier four or move them down a tier? what What are your What are some of your uh, reservations about good old Salt Lake City? Uh, <laughs> it...
1: So, I'm not a big
0: I'm not a big Donovan Mitchell guy. I
1: think that he is pretty inefficient as a player, and he didn't take the strives that I the the huge steps that I thought he was going to take uh again i was a fan of him as a rookie uh and then that sophomore year i didn't i didn't really see enough for him of him taking a jump and then it, just continuing on and on like i don't think he's progressed the way that i thought he's going to progress i think he's an all-star player i don't think he is a franchise level like carry a franchise guy mm. uh, and then for rudy gobert i don't know obviously the rim protection and the defense and the and you know the the airspace protection is just fantastic. But offensively, I think he's pretty limited. And I don't think that they necessarily use him enough in pick and roll or enough to the strength of his usage, where he's just kind of there on offense and he's just there to clog. Claw- he just clogs the lane and it hmm. makes it very weird, especially for a player like Donovan Mitchell that wants to get to the basket. Um, I love Joel Engels. I think Joel Engels is highly underrated. Uh, but we got to remember, too, that uh, uh, they have i think they said bogdanovich right but he he's he was hurt he just he was hurt and
0: then he had surgery before so he, yeah before the bubble so
1: mm-hmm. he's still he's still coming off of this injury that i guarantee you hasn't probably fully healed because he had it right before the bubble so hmm. i don't know where they're going to be the rest of the year i think they overpaid for jordan clarkson i've never been a jordan clarkson guy yeah um so I, you know there's There's just weirdness on this roster. I like Derek Favors. I don't know how much Mike Conley has left in the tank. There's just there's questions where I think they're gonna be a playoff team, but I don't put them in this echelon with these. Like I see the Mavericks, Blazers, Suns as like teams that could on any given day take a series off the Clippers or the
0: Nuggets. I don't see the Jazz doing that. So. I, I will push back a little bit on your Donovan your take on a Donovan Mitchell and I say that as somebody who you know I'm a Donovan Mitchell fan I liked him in college and I thought he should have been drafted high but I there is some element that it's true where maybe he didn't progress the way we thought he would but I also think a lot of it was people big names who cover the game were throwing out crazy ass Dwayne Wade comparisons. Cause you know, Dwayne Wade found instant success. His rookie year second right. year was a beast third year his teams in the finals. Right. Um, I obviously that is high. That is a high mark for Mitchell. That is unfair to him, but <clears throat> he improved last year efficiency wise scoring wise. And in the playoffs, Especially in round one against the Jazz, I thought he took a big step as somebody who attacked the rim relentlessly, as somebody who was making plays out of pick and roll. That is the Donovan Mitchell that I think those big media heads were talking about. the, The guy who is unstoppable, athletic, has a quick first step. He needs to become... Better with his shot selection, I think, and become a better three-point shooter. But the reason I put the Jazz in the high-octane category is because what I saw from Donovan Mitchell is absolutely somebody that could beat anybody, any one of those three high-octane playoff teams in a series. I could see them—I mean, we saw it with the Nuggets this past year. I could see them beating the Nuggets in a series, too, but so much has to go right. And you're right about the Boyan uh, Bogdanovich thing. I actually forgot he had surgery on his wrist uh, bef- uh, prior to the bubble. So, the- well, I didn't forget. I just didn't think about the timeline that it would take yeah, for like him to not come back. He's not coming at. back 100% right he's now. He's not coming back 100%. Know, I don't know
1: where he's at.
0: But I think 60% or 50% of Boyan is better than nothing because he was a central figure in some of the Jazz's best lineups. So oh, yeah. That's, that's part of the reason,
1: his injury is part of the reason why I have them so low.
0: Yeah, and, but – I think if he comes back in any form, I just think that's another bit of juice the Jazz need that I would personally put him in the tier three, and I haven't given up on Mike Conley yet. He had a rough start to the season last year. I think he was adjusting to a new team. The fact that he's not the only point guard or guard in the starting lineup that had the ball a lot um, like he did in Memphis, I think he had to adjust to that with having Donovan Mitchell next to him. And towards the end of the season and into the bubble, he was actually getting closer to Memphis, like if not prime Memphis Grizzlies, Mike Conley, but to the Mike Conley of, you know, the last two years before he dipped for Memphis. Um, And then of course, bringing back Derek Favors, there's not going to be that weird. Does Gobert and Favors work together in the front court? Is it a lineup you can play in the playoffs? Derek Favors now coming back, uh, for the mid-level, you know, kind of solidifies his role. He could be the backup center because he's a, still a damn good player. And, you know, I thought it was a loss for the Pelicans until they got Steven Adams to help out a little bit. But having a good player like Derek Favors to back up Rudy Gobert, it will give you more lineup flexibility. It'll You'll be able to mix and match players more. And you can go Gobert and Favors if the matchup calls for it in a certain series. But a boy on injury is big because he was in some of the jazz's best lineups let me give you some lineup data here from cleaning the glass so a lineup of donovan mitchell royce o'neill bogdanov uh bogdanovich ingles and gobert played over 1100 possessions had a net rating of 15.2 their offensive rating was 119.5 which would have been tops in the league um Boyan is a useful shooter, he's a playmaker, he's a guy with size um, that could guard bigger wings, he's not a superstar defender or anything like that, but he's somebody who can, you could throw at LeBron and throw at Kawhi and Paul George along with Royce O'Neal and a few others. Jordan Clarkson, agreed, overpaid contract, but there is a premium on bench scoring in the league and they are the Jazz, so they need all the players (laughs) they can get, so it's an overpay for sure, a massive overpay, but Clarkson was a factor in their rotation last year, especially as a bench score. I just like the roster, or the roster of the Jazz better this time around, especially with Favors coming back. So I'd put him in tier three, but I they have a lot of questions, which I guess is why you put him in a tier four.
1: Um, yeah, so I put him in tier four, and it, we'll talk about it because my other big question that I had for this podcast was about the Mavericks and Luka Doncic. And so the, right. the thing is, so is,
0: the other, so do you want to talk about the Mavericks? Well, I just thing?
1: want to, I just want to bring this up real quick. Okay. The main crux of that argument for me, for Luka is like, what is Luka in year three? So year three to me is like, to me it's year three is usually the year where like superstars step up. where like, you got time in the league. You see the big, usually in like superstar franchise guys, you see the jump in year three. Yeah, that's usually when you see it, and so last year I didn't see that jump in in Donovan Mitchell and like his his improvement he did improve, but it, it's like the staggered, it's like the usual sort of all star player, solid player improvement where he's just getting better and better and better, where it's not the huge jump where you're like, oh, he gets it now.
0: Yeah. Like, also, Luca is kind of an alien, so I don't want to sure. I don't wanna No, I'm not want to no i am not putting that on him, but like for me yeah. it's
1: it's stuff where it's like I when I'm looking for There's my check franchise there's guy, checkpoints that you have yeah, to Yeah, when meet. I'm looking for like my franchise guy of like, cool, this is my cornerstone for the next decade. Yep. I don't see it from Mitchell and I see him being like a Bradley Beal where I he, he's great. He's an all star, he's awesome, he's great, but I don't know if he can carry a team.
0: Yeah, I have, Donovan, I have Donovan Mitchell in my tier 2.5, which is talented players on the rise that are close to tier 2 or were in tier 2 but have made a, an all-star team or two. So, I he Luca and, yeah, it, it, compared to... There's checkpoints with franchise players right I totally agree with you there like and
1: so like like when I look at these other teams I see Luca, I see Dame and I see Donovan uh, Devin Booker right and I'm yeah. like okay like the, and I would go. absolutely like, take Devin Booker
0: over Donovan Mitchell by the way I've right. had that take for a long time um, yeah but, so
1: again like, I think we're on the same page where to me I'm looking at those teams I'm going okay if any of these guys takes any kind of jump or like anything at all
0: then I they would, would e- separate themselves easily the
1: separate easily. into tier two right yeah. or And where with the Jazz, I don't see that ever happening. Right. And I don't see that potential. And so I would drop them down into the tier where I put the Warriors and the Rockets, where they're a solid playoff team. But I don't see them taking that extra step to where, okay, now now I'm scared of them if I'm a Clippers team or a Lakers or a Nuggets.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm just... I guess I am putting stock a little bit in Mitchell taking a leap, but I guess I'm putting more of stock in the collective some of the parts because I do like this roster a lot. And no, oh, I,
1: I totally get where you're yeah. coming from, but but uh, for for me it comes down to Mitchell and like I don't see him in this. I don't see him being the leader and the go to guy that the other te- these other teams have. Where like to me the Mavericks, the Blazers, and the Suns would scare me if I'm the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nuggets.
0: Right, and uh, you know. We have talked about the Jazz probably for the longest time that we ever will on this podcast. But real quickly, I wanted to ask you so you obviously have the Jazz out. Who do you have in order? Is your tier three in order at all? Or do you have a quick order in mind? Because I have Blazers, Mavericks, and Suns. That's how I'd rank them in order. But I think the Mavericks uh, would, and Suns are I closer. Have,
1: I would have the Blazers, Suns, Mavericks just because Chris Paul and just because I know what the Suns are at this point. The Mavs, I don't really know because of Kristaps's injury and I yeah. don't know where they're at
0: see I thought about that I thought about KP's knee injury Luka's gonna have some new teammates but at the end of the day I mean it's not hyperbole to say that Luka Doncic is on a trajectory of being a top 10 player of all time right or am I jumping the gun too soon because I feel like I'm not but I. A top a top what player? A top 10 player ever. He's on that trajectory okay. right now. Like, I'm not saying he is be... right now, but I'm saying the trajectory he has showed so far, how can you not say that right now?
1: Uh, Yeah, no, I totally get where you're coming from. I think he's going to be... If he doesn't get hurt and he continues his trajectory, I think he is... A, I, I think he is. He goes down in history as one of the greatest players of all time. I don't think that's a question the question of top 10 is tough because my top 10 10 is insanely like Luca needs to do a lot oh yeah for
0: sure I am I am absolutely admitting that I am putting a fuck ton of pressure on Luca well he doesn't care about what I have to say but but
1: I but let me just think Let let me think real quick of like there's no, I there's no one I can see. Cuz think about like, getting knocked out of my top 10.
0: Luca was top 5 in MVP voting as a 21-year-old and the only 21-year-old to do that was Timothy Theodore Duncan. And I have Tim Duncan as my fifth best player of all time. Really you have him that high? Yeah, I have him higher than Kobe. I know that I know we maybe we'll have debates about that later, but I would take Duncan. Uh, I have no, Kobe I seven or eight. I have Duncan five. So to
1: me, my top my top five to me is it's just real quick. It's Jordan, LeBron, Magic, Bird, and Kareem.
0: So I have LeBron, Jordan, Kareem, Magic, and Duncan. Okay. Um, and then I probably put Bird six. Six. Yeah. And then yeah, because um, I would have I would
1: have Duncan like seven eight. I'd have Kobe seven eight. Mm-hmm. I have them, I, I have them really close. Yeah. Um,
0: but I'm, but I, have, but I, I say I that think I have
1: Shaq in there too.
0: Yeah. But I say that because I think Luca, he's starting to check the checkpoints that Tim Duncan is checking off. And I think if you're checking off checkpoints as your career progresses at the rate that Tim Duncan is, I think you're going somewhere. And I wanted to put the Suns ahead of them, but at the end of the day, like the S- Mavericks have, a top seven already player at 22. And they surrounded him with big ass wings. I love the off season. The Mavericks <laughs> yeah. had. They, they traded for Josh Richardson, who I always, he was miscast in Philadelphia. The fit was worse than I thought it would be. But if Richardson goes back to that role of catch and shoot threes and being a primary defender, maybe play make a little bit as a third or fourth ball handler, not a secondary ball handler. Like he was miscast in Philly. That is a great pickup for the Mavericks. They get Josh Green. They have Tyler Bay. They get Tyrell Terry to replace the Seth Curry role because I think Tyrell Terry with his shooting could actually get some minutes right away, especially under Carlisle with how guys like Jalen Brunson and Trey Burke have succeeded in his system. Um, The big question, obviously, to me is the Porzingis injury because... You know, earlier in the season last year, there was that weird funky stat that when Luka and KP were on the floor together, it was like a minus one on the net rating or whatever. But obviously, by the end of the season, they started playing KP at the five more, especially after Dwight Powell went down. And the Mavericks offense literally jumped through the fucking roof and the net rating well, flipped on his a head. Well, I think a lot of
1: the stuff that people weren't realizing, too, was that the early in the season, Kristaps was coming off that he hadn't played in yeah, two years. Yeah, he
0: hadn't played in two years. and all
1: well, like He was still trying to relearn how to play. And but the th- thing is, like learning how to play with an actual point guard, he didn't have shit in New York. In new York.
0: <laughs> no, he did not. So, like,
1: you know, I think a lot of the stuff was Christoph's a lot of criticism from Christoph's early on in the season was like he's just standing out in the three point line where it's like, yeah, he's he doesn't know how to like he's testing out this new knee of his. Yeah. He doesn't know where well, he's gonna know be
0: where he's gonna be but that and that goes back to he's going to be having to knock the rust off and testing out his knee again this year and right. that should be scaring me but i just i i don't know what it i have unwavering confidence in luka doncic i think luka doncic is going to eventually become a 37% three point shooter which is another way to imp- for him to improve which is insane to say um the mavericks yeah. have said or the Mavericks it's insane have how,
1: how kind of bad a three-point shooter he is relatively with, speaking yeah. compared to the rest of his game but he's still putting up crazy numbers
0: yep and like, uh the Mavericks have decided we're gonna put a bunch of big wings around him um and i just like how they're building their team right now but the blazers we need to talk about the blazers finally getting a wing that dame and cj deserve and that is my guy robert covington came up straight out of the process you don't mean mean Rodney Hood getting healthy well no I I will get to Rodney Hood later it does suck that he's coming off of this Achilles injury um because I actually thought um in the playoffs in 2019 he was good for the Blazers and he was good for the Blazers going into the year before the injury happened but Robert Covington is a Really good get for the Blazers. Yep. Um, kind of people, nerd Twitter kind of overrated him a little bit. Process Twitter and Sixers Twitter, which I'm a part of. We love Robert Covington unconditionally, so we're fine with all the praise he gets. But that is the perfect guy for the Blazers who have the 27th rated defense defense on cleaning the glass. To get somebody like Robert Covington, who can who is a menace off ball, average one-on-one defender has average lateral speed but his but where he makes his bones on defense is just disrupting everything off the ball being a really a good weak side shot blocker for his position um real good at switches rotating that is exactly the type of wing Damon CJ have needed coupled with Gary Trent Jr. who was a star in the bubble But was already kind of showing signs of being a three and D player during the season. He shot 38% from three going into the bubble, shot 50% in the bubble from three, and was a tough hard nosed defender. The Blazers are starting to stack up some defensive players. They're getting some really deep good defenders back. I think Nurkic is very underrated. He's not a leaper, so his rim protection numbers probably won't be there. But he knows where to be. He knows how to rotate and communicate. Zach Collins, if he can just stay fucking healthy, uh, for once, he would be. A, he he showed he has shown flashes. He could be another big defensive piece that can also stretch the floor, rebound, get nasty in the paint. I just like what the Blazers did this off season. and I think with Dame, who has over the last three years elevated himself as a tier one franchise player to me. The Blazers, I think are the highest octane playoff team. And if they're in the Western conference finals again uh, for the second time in three years, I won't be surprised.
1: Yeah. I Again, I think to me, the big concern is with them defensively, but Covington helps them so much in that regard. And I think that it depends on where they are injury wise. Because they had so many injuries over the past year. And in the bubble, they had injuries. Dame had that had injury to, at, at the very end there. Mm-hmm. Um, can Zach Collins stay healthy? I think Zach Collins is still a a valuable piece to that puzzle. Yep. Um, but again, can he stay healthy?
0: My guy, Harry Giles. Yeah. <laughs> Even like, though Sacramento know, in, inexplicably declined to pick up his qualifying offer. They, but that's <laughs> <laughs> neither here nor they there. Just
1: have, they just have pieces where you go... Yeah, this
0: works. I and actually is- wouldn't be surprised if Harry Giles at some point started getting more minutes than Collins because for what the Blazers run with their bigs, Giles is kind of perfect for that. Yeah, he's a little bit skinnier if you if you put him at the 5, but a guy who could he's a really good passer, can do dribble handoffs with Damon CJ is just has a real nasty attitude on the court. Sacramento loves Harry Giles just for he brought it on the floor every time he got a chance to play, um, played like it was his last. He also just has some really good skills that obviously made him a a presumptive number one pick when he was in high school before all the knee injuries hit. That's another high, high upside play, low risk high upside that I think could help the Blazers in terms of hitting the not, hitting the nitrous oxide uh, in this race. Um, Derek Jones Jr. didn't really play much in Miami uh, in the playoffs. Did get in the rotation a little bit during the season. He's another athletic wing. Um, r- not a really great three-point shooter, although he was kind of decent in the corners, but that's another wing. Like, the Blazers are just stacking up on any wings they can get, and I just think that's only going to help Damon CJ, so... Um, the other high octane playoff team we talked about the Suns. We know what they are. They have Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I have the Suns slightly behind the Mavericks, but I really so badly wanted to put the Suns above the Mavericks. But um, I just think I, the
1: pick and roll game to me, it's more than Booker. It's more. It's more than Booker with Chris Paul. It's DeAndre Ayton.
0: Is DeAndre Ayton for sure? To me,
1: to me, Chris Paul unlocks everything that DeAndre Ayton is good at. Mm-hmm. and and is going to make him an all-star Pick and i'm pop, calling it now entry passes
0: yeah. into mm-hmm. the post um he's Dayton. such a
1: smart he's a smart player he has good hands he has touch on his shot mm-hmm. he's good inside feel
0: yeah and he makes quick decisions too like he doesn't waste his time with deciding what to do on offense if he's rolling to the basket he catches it boom he's up if he pops out there and catches the ball it's a shot there's no like oh should I make a play here should I dribble he knows what he's gonna do and having somebody like Chris Paul like you said who is one of the smartest players of all time that's only gonna help him right
1: right and again his defensive uh growth over the last year has been incredible and i think if he continues on that trajectory there's no reason why he can't be he can't challenge to be one of the best two-way bigs in the conference oh there's no there's no reason why he can't do that and it's going to be interesting to see to me then it makes Devin booker's game so much easier when you have to worry about those two and then booker can just cook in the corner
0: yep and it's going to be nasty just seeing him attack closeouts and just, it's an upgrade, obviously, from Ricky Rubio, but you just saw what having an adult at the point guard position last year did for the Suns. Even campaign had a little bit of a resurgence in the bubble. Um, he's back on a minimum, but I don't think he's going to play that much. But they re-signed Saric. They brought in Jay Crowder, who is definitely going to be in a lot of closing lineups, I imagine, along with yeah. Mikkel Bridges. Um, they still have Cam Johnson, who is was a fixture as a rookie in some of the Suns' best lineups, and... People were killing the Jalen Smith pick when it happened this draft. I'm just going to say I'm not going to judge shit on what James James Jones does in the draft because they seem to have the philosophy of, we like a guy, we're going to get it. Now, we could question the value of it sometimes, but it worked out with Cam Johnson. Jalen Smith has defensive upside and can shoot as a big. I could see why they made the pick, especially to replace Aaron Baines. Um Abdul Nader, he was kind of a throw-in in the Chris Paul trade. I actually think Abdul Nader has been on the trajectory a lot the last few years in OKC as a three and D wing. So that's another wing. Just the Suns have really they needed somebody like Chris Paul, and if Chris Paul could stay healthy, which is always the big if, and he has a season that's close to as good as it was in OKC, they're they. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them. On the cusp of a Western Conference Finals appearance. I just think Devin Booker's that good of an offensive player. I think Ayton yeah. is already on the way to being one of the best bigs in the league, hands down. Saric was a good re-sign. They still have Mikael Bridges. And they signed my guy, Javon Carter. They re-signed him um, off of his... Uh, rookie off of his rookie deal. He has a new contract now. And just imagine you're a point guard and you're having to deal with Chris Paul for some of the game and then Javon Carter comes in and picks you up ninety four feet <laughs> for <laughs> the rest of it. That would be just hell. But uh I like I yeah, love the Suns. I,
1: I think that there's been so much talk and deservedly so for the Lakers and the, the Blazers about the best off season. And I think the Suns have quietly had a top three offseason in the league.
0: I think they might have had the best, honestly, because I just love when teams know how to build around their star players. <laughs> like yeah, I've grab, especially over the last few guys. years, I've come I've come to appreciate competent GMs who look at the roster and say, hmm, this guy You mean you don't stack bigs around around nothing to <laughs> shooters? Yeah, apparently that's not a good thing to do. Um, and also, you know, it is easy to look at Chris Paul and be like, Yeah, that's a perfect fit for any team, but if you looked at the Suns' point guard situation after they broke up that three-headed monster of Isaiah Thomas, Drogic, and Bledsoe way back, it's not been good. So, um, speaking of point guards, one of these playoff teams in the next tier has the second greatest point guard ever, and oof, yep. Oh well, you're you're gonna know as this podcast goes along. I am a Steph Curry stan. I've been a huge Steph Curry fan since his days at Davidson. I have tracked him and the Splash Brothers all the way up till now. And I think with all the accolades and everything Steph Curry has done, I think he's the second best point guard ever behind Magic, obviously. Obviously, there's an analytical argument for Chris Paul. There's Jason Kidd, all that stuff. Whatever. Throw those arguments at me at Twitter later when you hear this episode. (laughs) We're not going to get into it, but I I don't rate Steph Curry that highly as a point guard oh i really let's just talk about (laughs) let's just talk about if you want no i i want it no because it'll (laughs) it'll go on for about half an hour because i will defend steph curry but oh you don't have to uh,
1: so my oh i know i know i don't
0: have to defend him to you but
1: real quickly though my thing is just i think he is the greatest shooter of all time and i don't think that's a question i don't think that's anything else i think that every other skill that he has though benefits from the shooting where i don't think i think the playmaking the dribbling everything benefits from the idea that he is the greatest shooter of all time i don't think oh yeah 100
0: the shot helps him out but i still think he's a a very good passer even without it and his ball handling is still top notch not kyrie level um but that shot definitely helps. i think
1: if he was i think if he was an average shooter he'd be a solid starter all-star i don't think he's a hall of famer
0: Yeah, but But he was an average shooter, even then like you have to, you have to take the whole package.
1: But again, that's my, that's, that's my only thing with Steph Curry. And so for me, it comes down to a thing of, and we'll talk about this as we get deeper into this podcast, but my philosophy is always this thing of, there's a difference to me between a point guard that can score and a scorer that plays point guard where I think Steph Curry to me is the latter where he's a scorer that can play, that plays point guard. And I don't consider him like a true, true point guard, at least in my mind, where I think he is looking for his shot more than he's looking for a setup.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. But I also think. Well, I remember... So, like,
1: like, to me, to me, again, it, it goes to my personal bias of like, I would, I value yeah. like true point guards over that. So, mm-hmm. like, to me, I, I value like an Isaiah Thomas or a Jason Kidd or a Chris Paul over that.
0: Oh, for sure. Rather,
1: rather than like someone that, like, to me like ai was a sc- ai derrick rose or like scores that play point guard mm-hmm.
0: you know what i'm saying yeah
1: and so to me I, val- I don't value that as highly as something like as a steph curry who's looking for his shot or is like as i view mainly as a score right he's not so again it's nothing it's nothing against steph curry i just wouldn't put him that highly right on my own personal list
0: well i do want to talk i do want to revisit this topic later but <laughs> I I did this <laughs> lo- I did this long intro that I had no idea was going to go down this hole. Um I did this long <laughs> intro because the Warriors we didn't it was our fault that we didn't talk about this last week. It should have really been our first topic. The Clay Thompson news to start the morning on draft day fucking sucked. Yeah, it, that, it,
1: that kind of dampered the entire mood around the draft
0: it, for me. The entire like almost the season, honestly, because I was so looking forward to seeing the Splash Brothers back. I was a huge I love Clay Thompson. By the way, what's up? I love Clay Thompson. I don't know if oh, you. Oh, I love Clay him Thompson, too. The, if you, hate Thompson, the, if you hate Clay Thompson? What the fuck's wrong with you? That, <laughs> that's that quote needs to go up on a wall or something. Like, if you hate Clay Thompson, what the fuck is wrong with you? He is one of the coolest dudes in the NBA. Um, if there was like. An urban, if you looked up in the urban dictionary the word vibes, there would just be a picture of Clay Thompson right there with his dog Rocco. Um, but I was so looking forward to seeing the Splash Brothers play again because, like I said, and you could, I'm probably going to be called a hipster or something, but I and not to sound like a hipster, but I was there from the beginning, man. Not, <laughs> but, but no, like I. I love. Are the, you not? Are you? Are you an I believe team guy? <laughs> no, I'm not the we. I w- I was a fan of the We Believe Warriors, but um, I'm not a Warriors fan. Uh but Got I it. do love. I do love the Warriors and the Bears. love me some all. Baron Davis. Yeah. I, oh yeah. I love me some Baron Davis just yakking all over Andre Karolinko, even though they lost that series. Um, after or upsetting Dirk. the Mavs, the book on yeah.
1: Dirk was so good. Yep.
0: Um, but. I was, I was very pro trading Monte Ellis at the time when they got Andrew Bogut and paved the way for Clay Thompson to start as a rookie because I had him on my fantasy team as a rookie and Clay Thompson was going bonkers sometimes and I'm like, oh my God. And I'd watch these games because I have NBC Sports Bay Area when I was in college and I'd be like, wow, this backcourt is like special. Like you could tell, like it's a special shooting backcourt. And, um, and then... When the rumors started of them wanting to swap Klay Thompson for Kevin Love, I was having an aneurysm. I was like, why would you do that? And then Jerry West kind of, you know, he reaffirmed me and my high status in the NBA circle. No, not really. But he (laughs) he said, um, if you trade Klay Thompson, I quit. I'm done working for you guys. So Klay Thompson has been a Warriors fixture for a long time. And if they – and if he was healthy this year – I would have had the Warriors in the contender tier because I would have too. Because if he was healthy, I would have put him in there. I have so much respect for the big three. I still think, even Draymond, as he's older, I think with when his team, if his team was a contender this year, you would have seen the old Draymond. Like, remember in the 2018 19 season when Draymond was struggling? He was fat. He even admitted it. um, And he had to basically work his way into shape by the playoffs. And then he became. Really like 90% old Draymond. I really think Draymond would have came in this year. I still think he will. But I just have so much respect for that big three. I think Steph Curry is still a tier one franchise player. And now the Warriors are in this weird spot where Klay Thompson has suffered a devastating leg injury on top of an, the one he suffered the year before. But this one's the worst. This Achilles. It's an Achilles injury. And now the Warriors are trying to fill trying to find maybe to fill 80 percent of clay thompson's production with kelly Oubre and kent basemore um you still have james wise andrew andrew wiggins yeah they're all well minus andrew wiggins <laughs> kelly <laughs> Oubre and kent basemore are really good players kent basemore is a really solid role player andrew wiggins is like we're in year six of, I think, Andrew Wig. People are going to sleep on Andrew Wiggins this year. I think he's going to have a great year with the Warriors. I'm not buying into that at all. But they still have Wiseman. They still have Draymond. They still have Eric Paschko, Jordan Poole. They still have players that are young enough to maybe take some mini leaps. I think the Warriors are still a playoff team. It just sucks because I think Steph Curry is somehow in this position where He's kind this is kind of like a season where this could affect his legacy in a weird way. And he it hasn't with me. But you know, among the bigger basketball community, casual fans, not even casual fans, but you know, all type, you know, all the types of sports fans. Sure. Where they wanna see if Steph Curry can carry a playoff team, if they could carry a team to the finals. When he's already done that in his career, Sans KD sacrificed bringing KD in. And I would still argue Steph was the most important player on those KD teams and not KD himself, who is the better player. Now, Steph Curry has found himself where if he doesn't make the playoffs or, you know, have a crazy round one performance, his legacy might take a hit. And I think that's ridiculous. What say you?
1: Uh, I am on the side of like Steph does have games where he kind of disappears in the playoffs or like where he he hasn't had perform he's had bad performances and in the same way James Harden has I put them kind of in the same camp of like Harden obviously has worse games but I think that like they're the to me the Golden State Warriors thing has always been like a collective sum of the pieces The, the greatness of the Warriors is always a collective sum of the pieces rather than like a singular great player. Um and I think that again, Steph gets a lot of the credit because he's the head of the snake, like we keep talking about it like he's he's running this team. Everything runs through Steph and it's so important. And his shooting is, is kind of the key to opening up that entire offense. Um I'm not a big Draymond Green guy. I've always thought that he was again uh I think I always thought he was a product of the Warriors system rather than actual a uh, vital piece.
0: I think on offense more so, defense that's all him. Like he's one of the most special sure. defenders I've ever seen.
1: Uh I think to me it comes down to his intelligence as a player. I don't think his intelligence and like his basketball IQ defensively. I think where it gets a little out of control. I think he's a great defensive player. I think it where it gets a little out of control is when you tar- start comparing him to like a Dennis Rodman. I think that's a little out of, like I think that's ridiculous to me. Um Like I don't see that at all, and I think that that's completely. I think they're a little bit different, but I
0: do think Draymond has he. I I just think he's so smart. Like he does,
1: and it comes down to his intelligence as a player. To me, it to me it comes down to like Dennis Rodman was smart and also a physical freak of nature. Oh yeah, and 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 an athletic marvel of a of a human being that absolutely was. Like to me, Dennis Rodman. If you built the perfect defensive player, you would build Dennis Rodman. And mm-hmm. so like the the idea to me of like people were saying that remember because the talk when Draymond was in his prime, the talk was that Draymond Green was the defense, like the defensive goat. And I was like oh, Yeah, no, I don't I was, agree.
0: Obviously I don't with that.
1: I was like, this is totally wrong. What are you talking about? I remember I got into an argument with a friend of mine that was saying uh because my my argument was always that if you take Draymond off of the Warriors and you put him on an average team, that he is a he is a solid player, but he is not an All Star and he is not a he's not a like top tier player. Mm. And so, and again, like defensively, yes, he's super intelligent, but if you don't have the players around you to help make that defense work, then it does, it, it devalues you as a as a defensive player to some degree.
0: Well, I think his ability to switch and rim protect still as a small guy was what he's like the winchpin he was the winchpin oh of yeah warriors no i totally teams. agree but yeah. again that
1: comes down to the reason why he's able to do that and like the reason why he's able to like all of his skills are amplified by being on this great defensive warriors team and having these other great players around him to help move the chess pieces like so to me it's it's if you're if you're on a chessboard, right he's not he's not the queen he's not the piece that you're that you are, he's not the most powerful piece on the board. He is a, he is a knight or a bishop or a yeah. rook where in the right scenarios, yes, he's the, he, like with everything else around him. He, yes, he can control an entire game, but he's not the one that's going to control it on his own. And so like, to me, when you have like someone, someone was saying to me that Draymond Green, if you put him on an average team that he's still an all on all NBA player, uh, I d- I think he he's I think he's
0: an all defensive team candidate for sure, but not an all NBA player. No, yeah. I really no, do I d- think I do think his defense is singular to himself. I I he transforms defenses. I think, but offensively, he he doesn't have handle to dribble in the half court. He the only reason he's able, one of the only reasons he's able to has been able he has been able to rumble down the court for years is because you can't leave. Steph and Clay. And so right. that gives him room the spacing to. The on the court is ridiculous. Yeah, the spacing on the court is ridiculous. So when you have a big trying to guard Draymond in transition, you're just like, oh shit, what do I do? Because he can get by bigger bigs with the handle. But if he doesn't have Steph and Clay there, then the passing windows get tighter. Even though I think he's a good passer than what he gets credit for, it is absolutely amplified by the fact that he's playing in some of the best spacing in NBA history. But my big question this is my first big picture question. Was this preseason before Clay Thompson's injury, was this the last time we will ever put the Warriors in the contender category? No. For the next, for, and let's project out to the next three or five years.
1: No, because I still think with Steph and when Clay comes back, I still think those are, I think those two guys, that backcourt is special. And I think that that's a special enough backcourt to like carry your team. And I think that depending on what Wiseman is, again, we talked about what Wiseman's floor is. I think even now he's a good enough big to, uh, like add value you, to wins. Add value, yeah, you add value to to that team. And again, if you, he's in the perfect scenario where he can learn, and he can be the player that he is now, while still working on things that he like. He can still be contribute now and be useful now, while learning how to do the other stuff. And I think again, if he can grow in the next. Like we like we kept talking with with luca the three-year push right mm. so i don't think i don't think i think the way that steph and clay both play they're not going to lose that much in the next two to three years and i think that if Wiseman can take a step then it, they're easily still in that conversation especially now when you look at potentially who's gone like in two to three years is lebron still at that level is Harden, Maybe. <laughs> Is Harden are Harden and Westbrook still in the in the West and are they still at that level? If you look at, you know, obviously the Mavericks will be still up there, but the Blazers, right, depending on what their injury situation's like, like and you keep looking at them, I think down the line the Warriors are set up pretty well for success down the line.
0: My only concern, my I have I do have a few concerns. I'm inclined to say yes, but when I look at projecting out for the next few years, Klay Thompson wasn't just the second greatest shooter in NBA, or isn't just the second greatest shooter in NBA history. Um, he's also has been one of the best defenders for a yeah. long time, and I think he's never going to do that again. He's never going to be that again, and I think that was such an integral part of the Warriors and what they do because you. It, Put it, saying three and d is too simplistic for clay thompson obviously but you get what i'm saying He's he is, he
1: is the three and he's
0: like supercharged three and d guy like 44 percent from three whatever and is just clamps on defense i don't know if he's able clay, to do that anymore the
1: thing that's funny about clay is clay yes saying three and d kind of short changes him a little bit but he that that is all he is
0: yeah that on this team yeah <laughs> He is all. All he is is three and D. But he is he the also, three and he is three, he is the three and D guy. Yeah, he is. He was born in it, molded by yeah. it. No, but like, and also he is probably the best heat check guy I've ever seen in my life, and that oh, yeah. includes Steph. I was there. <laughs> I I remember going batshit crazy when he had the 37 in the third quarter against the with Kings. The, the, I was watching with the two it. Dribbles. Yeah. And my. No, that was Indiana with the 60 points in the 11 oh, yeah, dribbles. Right. Um, but the 37 <laughs> point third quarter, my roommates were. I was watching into my room going fucking nuts. And my roommates were like, dude, what's all that? I'm like, Clay Thompson just had a 30. I was like speaking all fast. Like, <laughs> I was like, Clay Thompson had a 37 point. Uh, Third quarter, and all it was wild, but um, I guess yeah. I would put the Warriors in the contender category. I imagine a few more times. I just have so much respect for Steph that there is no way I'm dropping him. I wasn't going to do it last year either. Like, I think with a healthy Steph, the Warriors are a playoff team, and um, even I think that wi-
1: speaks to the West, though. I think that the West is so kind of yeah, top heavy, but uh, where you know. I don't think the I don't think the West is necessarily the strongest. I think Steph by himself could carry a team down into the playoffs in the West.
0: My other playoff team, the ninth team. So there's only eight seeds, nine teams. But I think if they stay together, <laughs> this is all pending if James and Russ are at one traded or two go into training camp unhappy, and that leads to some friction, or three maybe they just stay together and stick it out this season but I still have the Rockets there even with James and Russ there I would still put them behind the Warriors I don't know what the Rockets are doing I don't know what the plan is I don't know what kind of cost-saving measures Tillman Fertitta will pull out of his book to uh (laughs) to figure out what what's going on he's already sold off some picks he did sign Christian Wood, a signing that I do like a lot, even though I joked about him earlier. He is another process sixer <laughs> and uh, got paid, cashed out after building that. I his think he's a People don't understand how good he, he is. Yeah, no, he is definitely an underrated. He's an underrated player. Um, the Rockets also brought in Sterling Brown. They also, also brought in uh, DeMarcus Cousins who on a uh, minimum I love deal that pickup I so, love that potential pickup I don't know what's going to happen to Houston but I'm just out on this team I'm out on the Westbrook Harden duo if you have to trade your center away to bring in Robert Covington and I get the method behind it Daryl Morey really had no choice I think he was just hamstrung by the new owner and James Harden demanding a Westbrook trade that's what Tim McMahon of ESPN made it sound like I just, you have to trade away your center to bring in Robert Covington so you can have three shooters on the court next to, or four shooters next to your non-shooting point guard. I just, I'm not a big fan of this team. I love Harden. I'm in the minority as a Harden fan. I understand. But as a team, I just don't like this Rockets team. They could probably, they're probably going to win 48, it'd be on a 48-50 win pace just because. They'll have Harden and Westbrook, but I just, the stink on this team, there's just, there's a lot off with this team. I feel bad for Steven Silas, whose first head coaching job is dealing with this bullshit. And regardless though, Rockets are a playoff team, so I have them in the tier. I don't know how much more you have to add about the Rockets, but.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much, I'm out too. Again, (laughs) I'm not a big, I'm not a big Harden guy to begin with, so I feel like, a, I feel betrayal, like been, a
0: betrayal, of the lefty gang. How dare you! No. I feel, I feel like my,
1: I feel like I've been super negative this whole podcast. But like, I'm not a Harden guy. I just don't. I'm not. <laughs> you don't like um, scoring guards, do you? <laughs> I just uh, No, I just don't like. I don't like Harden. It's uh, I, again, we've talked about this before. I don't like the, I don't like the the gameplay, the style of play. I think that he was better in OKC. Like, I love the, I love the cutting movement. James early, Harden. early
0: Houston too. I have to yeah, say early and, Houston. James yeah, and Jordan I I, I
1: love that Harden. I hate the iso ball dribble at the top of the key for twenty seconds and then step go back get three, a foul.
0: 12 times a game.
1: Yeah, I just I I find it incredibly boring to watch, and I find it like I don't think that works over the course of a series when a team only has to focus on playing you seven times. Yeah, um,
0: hence by him being gassed all the time. Yeah, in, in these playoffs, but uh. But yeah, yeah. Um, I love watching him cook though. Like that's the main thing with me. Um, I also think that <laughs> I kind of I kind of like it when a trend happens and people get mad about it, but the trend keeps happening. And so uh, I guess that's kind of why I enjoy Harden like trolling his way to the free throw line and stuff. Because I also think there's like an element of genius to that. It's like yeah, okay. Oh, it's like the, it's
1: the meme I made. It's like it's like this is this is horrible but it's
0: beautiful yeah it's, it's, it's horribly horrible. beautiful it's horribly, it's horribly beautiful and he, just I guess, learned,
1: he learned how to play the game right like he just learned how like oh if i do this i'll get a foul every time oh like, if this i put great.
0: my arm under my defender's arm and swing up that's a foul like he's no yeah he knows how to game the system so right. um i and guess I we're we're, we're talking more about harden than the actual fucking rock
1: team. <laughs> but like there's nothing else to talk about with this rock yeah team. this rock team's garbage yeah so then, <laughs> Like we know what it is. It's trash. It's gonna lose. Whatever. It, <laughs> it, it begins to me. It begins and ends with Harden. Like to me, the yep. style of dribble atop the, the key for twenty seconds over the course of a seven game series, where all I have to do is stop you mm-hmm. and win the series.
0: Yep. And it works
1: in the regular season when I'm when I'm playing back to backs and I don't. have to, I'm not thinking about you all the time. But when my only job is to stop you. You can tell too when te- when they play playoff series. If they play good teams that that they're that like match up, mm-hmm. they win one or two games early, and then afterwards, once teams figure it out, it's done.
0: Yep, I, I totally agree, one hundred percent. Let's just move on from the shitty Rockets and their broke owner. Um, tier five, the play-in game hunting. We have a playoff. We have play-in uh, games this year, my friend. Yeah, um, I'm very excited for it. I'm very excited for it. It was a success in the bubble, especially when teams were trying to bust their ass towards the end of the regular season to get into the uh, play-in bubble. But I have five teams, or not five teams. I have three teams in this category real quick. Um, I have the Spurs, Grizzlies, and Thunder. The Spurs, I have them there mainly because they have DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge and why they are not- The mid-range gods. The mid, Yeah, the mid-range gods. They have young players around him, too that uh that I like. Um and they still have the greatest coach in NBA history and Greg Popovich even though he's kind of tailed off secretly the last few years. He's still a good coach. Um they added one of my favorite point guards, um Trey Jones, um out of got him out of Duke. Um they also added a uh, Devin Vassell who I know you liked uh quite a bit. Um out goes Bryn Forbes and Marco Bellinelli which really wasn't that big of a deal. But uh the Spurs I have them at the top. Grizzlies I have second mainly because I think they overachieved overachieved a little bit last year relative to how young they are and I think they're going to come back down to earth, but because there's a playing game, their record might just get them in. So I think I mean, ha- so
1: to me to me I I have them lower than you do i have them slightly in the lottery hunting mode not because of their ability i totally agree with you what you're saying but the jaron jackson injury scares me and right. he's such a he's such an important part of what they are mm-hmm. i think i think he is to me more important than jaw i think he is such a great player that people don't talk enough about
0: if he doesn't foul all the time yes right. I, I agree
1: <laughs> um just because what he does on both ends of the floor i think he's such a special player and i yeah. think like
0: He's like the modern big. Like yeah. If you if you wanted to go in a lab and create one, like it would be in the mold of Jaron Jackson. If,
1: if the basketball gods were like, what? How do we make Draymond Green better? It's like get make him make him this, make him more athletic, make him more him six
0: athletic, six o- eleven, long wingspan, give him
1: longer arms. Yeah, let's do that, and then give him some shooting touch. Oh man. Yeah, I remember cool. he had a
0: 29 point. I was watching a Bucks Grizzlies game this year and he had 29 points in the third quarter against the yeah. Bucks. It was some wild shit, but I love, and I also love his three point shot cause it's wonky as hell, but that shit goes in all the time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it looks like, man. It goes in.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, the Jaron Jackson injury concerns with Jaron Jackson do scare me. Also, he fouls a lot. Still, yeah. like I don't think he's the defender yet that people think he can be. Not even close. Which is why I would push back a little. I think Morant is for now more important just because he's more available, and also I don't think Jaron Jackson. Just, I'm either. just
1: saying, like I'm just saying, in a in a vacuum where they're both in healthy vac- and they're both yeah yeah absolutely like in, a, in a vacuum where they're both healthy and like they're both actively playing. I think absolutely. To me, it's a. To me, the loss of Jaron Jackson hurts them more than if you lost Moran.
0: Exactly. Um, but you know, the Grizzlies are draft Twitter's darling, and I think with the Grizzlies and their coaching staff, they know how to fit. They know what type of style to play with their young players, and I hope also Justice Winslow stays healthy and you know has. He could be an interesting piece. For he could be an interesting piece. I love Justice Winslow also part of the lefty gang um the thunder i have them um, obviously pokushevsky <laughs> my guy pokushevsky i um, gonna lead the thunder to a higher win total than chris paul did no i'm kidding um but Man, chris no paul, they're obviously not going to win Good. 50 games <laughs> like they did last year with chris paul or be on a 50 win pace but they still have Al Horford who is you know I so ragged cool. on Al Horford uh, for his time in Philadelphia he was bad but I also think obviously the roster just really affected everybody not just out not just uh, Joel Embiid Ben Simmons but Al Horford himself they have George Hill Trevor Ariza so they have a nice mix of veterans coming back even though like Chris Paul Steven Adams Schroeder all those guys left you bring you bring in Frank Jackson from uh new orleans who i like quite a bit even though he was a reserve guard my guy pokushevsky <laughs> and then <laughs> um you they just they have they still have you could throw out a lineup of shea gilgis alexander george hill lou dort um basely or somebody else somebody like that at the four even trevor ariza and then you could put horford at the five um played you just played five out and you, you play just play five out. You just, you just played Shea Cook. Exactly. And I just think the Thunder still have some lineups they could play that makes them competitive most nights if this new coach is as good as at pulling the best out of players like Billy Donovan was with that squad last year. Billy Donovan, excuse me. Um, I think the Great Thunder coach. could be in range of a play in game. So I have the Thunder there. Even. Slight probably slightly ahead of the lottery hunting, because I do think they got younger and therefore less experienced. But sure. they still have a chance with the playing game. The playing game kind of changes things a bit.
1: Yeah. Totally agree with all of those assessments. The only team I had in here otherwise, on top of that, was the Pelicans. Um so, I had the Pelicans right right there with the Thunder.
0: So so this is probably our last discrepancy in the list because you probably have the Kings and the Timberwolves in lottery hunting. Um, oh, no, I have
1: them in the favorites category. They're, <laughs> they're going to they're beat with the Lakers. <laughs>
0: they're going to beat the Lakers. They're on the other side of the chasm with the Lakers. Um, yeah, no, they're on the East. I put them on the East. <laughs> so I've been thinking about it. I am kind of starting to become lukewarm on this Pelicans team, mainly because I started to think about the fit between Stephen Adams and Zion Williamson, and then David Griffin today. I love David Griffin today said that Zion is probably going to play some three two, which scares the shit out of me. It's not that I don't Stephen Adams. I am a Stephen Adams fan. I think he's a good player. I just question the fit because one, Zion doesn't shoot threes really. He's more mainly an interior player. Steven Adams doesn't stretch the floor as much as Derek Favors, even though Derek Favors wasn't a floor stretcher. He was a better space player than Adams. Adams occupies the is mainly the areas Zion likes to occupy. And unless the Thunder, there's <laughs> the Thunder, unless the Pelicans make a commitment to being the best offensive rebounding team in the NBA, I don't know how much value you can get out of an Adams and zion or zion front court also i don't like the downgrade from drew holiday to eric bledsoe um i don't know how much kira lewis jr is going to play um is lonzo going to be able to sustain another good year he's in a contract year you know and you know how that affects players right they did resign brandon ingram but i'm Brandon Ingram's a good player. I think he could be an all-star level player. Is he best guy on championship team type of no guy? But I think or he's second best, best, on the best guy. Team guy. He could for sure. He could be a, it, like in a playing game. Absolutely, that would be a factor. I just feel like I was in love with last year's roster. Like they had JJ Reddick, they had Derek Favors, they had a good mix of vets that know how to play and have skills that fit with their young guys and I just don't see that as much this year. Um, you know, Etuan Moore was also another guard off the bench that could get hot, shoot threes, and, you know, defend a little bit. I just – i I'm just not sure. And I'm not sure about, you know, the coaching changes. I'm just not so sure I have the Pelicans in as a play-in team as, uh, as firmly as you do. I think they're still kind of lottery hunting. And also – how many games is Zion gonna play this year? That's my yeah, other main sticking point. That's the big question, the big question to, to me.
1: To me though, the idea to me is that Brandon Ingram Zion on their own is enough to get me into a into the into this the playing games. But is he gonna and play like, twenty
0: minutes a game? Is he gonna be load Right. That's what I'm that's wondering.
1: The big, that's the big question. But to me, like the idea that so I took like all these players' floors, right? So like what is the floor for Stephen Adams, he's still a great rebound, great defender, great interior defender, which is what they needed last year. That was a problem that they had last year where they had they had probably the best defensive backcourt in the league with Drew Holiday and of Ball and then just a just an open door at the rim.
0: Yeah, right. Especially in the and bubble, so, that was a huge problem.
1: So, so you know, I feel so. I felt so bad because Lonzo and Drew would work so hard to like get the ball out of the guards' hands, and you're like, yeah, that's great defense. And then all of a sudden, just like, a sudden, to the open lane way up
0: back cut. And, you know, like, <laughs> it, 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 what
1: happened, guys? And so I felt so bad. But Stephen Adams kind of solves that problem. Obviously, you lose Drew. That's a huge hole. But I think Lonzo can go ahead and step in and, and kind of mitigate that. I think that he's still one of the. To me, he's still one of the top perimeter defenders in the league. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think I understand your concern with Zion and and Stephen Adams. I think the difference, though, is that Stephen Adams has become very accustomed after playing with Westbrook for so long to a player that likes to drive to the basket and likes to get into certain areas on the floor, which I think in a lot of ways... Westbrook and Zion kind of do play in similar areas of the floor in terms of where they like to be in the interior, in the paint,
0: mm. and driving to the
1: basket. No, Zion sure, probably think,
0: posts up a lot more than Westbrook, right? But yeah, but I
1: think, but I think like just in terms of diving to the basket and where they want to be on the floor, I think I think Stephen Adams does understand that spacing, and he's actually very good at spacing the floor in that way. I also think he's very underrated as a uh, as an interior playmaker. I love him. Agreed. With the ball in the post and like able to hit cutters, which I think is perfect for a player like Zion and Brandon Ingram who love to cut and Lonzo too. Lonzo's an underrated cutter as well.
0: Oh, yeah. So I
1: love the way that offense functions. And again, like looking at floors, like what is the floor of JJ Redick? JJ Redick, even if he's bad, is still a solid defender and a top tier three point shooter. I think that as soon as you start to put all these pieces together, even if Zion. Isn't 100% healthy. I think that hurts them. But I think like having a player like Brandon Ingram that they can go to in the uh, In the half court is still a solid option I think letting him go on one-on-one is a solid option in any offense But I still think on the fast break with Lonzo with Keir Lewis jr. With Eric Bloodso, I think that's a dangerous front court or a dangerous backcourt in the in the open court mm-hmm. And I think like they can be a really fun team to watch Again, maybe I defend- am underrating
0: how many regular season games Bledsoe will win, because I'm I'm out on Bledsoe. I would honestly just flip Bledsoe before the season start. I would have flipped Bledsoe a while ago after I got sure. him in the trade uh, and started Kira Lewis, but maybe I'm underrating I think,
1: that. I think having a player like an alpha dog offensive player like Eric Bledsoe and that aggression that he plays with on the offensive end of the court can really help a player like Lonzo and Kira Lewis Jr. get into their groove and like sort of say like hey guys come with me let's go to the basket. Mm-hmm. Right? And like yeah. having I don't I don't think Lonzo's ever played with a guard like that where their jo- their main thing is to score. And I think if a little bit of that can rub off on Lonzo, I think that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and they also I I also kind of had some questions about, you know, did not did the game pass by Stan Van Gundy cuz obviously he is still a really good basketball mind. It's just that he didn't have a really good showing in detroit now granted part of it was also because he was also the president of basketball operations so maybe not juggling two roles at once will have him more focused on the coaching and the schemes and all that stuff so maybe that will help a little bit i just i love, I love stan as a coach too so that's yeah that's um thing. so that comes to my second big picture question actually um and we don't have to talk about the Kings or the Timberwolves, if, unless you really want to talk about. No,
1: I'm good. They're just they're <laughs> they're, they're, they're up over there trying to. I do want to talk.
0: I or not? I don't want to talk about the Kings, but I will say I love their off season. But um, there are yeah. I think I think both teams had solid off seasons, but like not enough to even. Yeah, they're lottery. Contend. They're lottery hunting. Let's just yeah. establish this now. Kings and Timberwolves are in the lottery hunting tier, tier six, which is tier F. Sorry, guys. Um, or tier, yeah, tier F. Um, but my big picture question we can end the podcast on this. It's summer of 2024. So we're fast forwarding. Um, this is another projection question. Summer Lake of 2024. Fourth straight championship. Yeah, LeBron James won his fourth straight championship, but people will still argue six and no in the finals for Michael Jordan, even though LeBron will have eight at this point. Um, <laughs> but which startup? I like to refer to these teams as startups because I do like young teams with assets. Sure. Which startup among the Grizzlies, Thunder and Pelicans would you bet would have won a playoff series first? Thunder. Thunder. I'd go, I'd go Grizzlies.
1: So I think the Grizzlies are better set up now, but I have way too
0: much faith in Sam Presti
1: as a, as a GM
0: dude. The, Amount of first-round picks, and as somebody who has watched Sam Hinkie and, you know, have praised Sam Hinkie, the god himself, um, among process lore, what Sam Presti is doing is fucking nuts. Yeah, <laughs> like so... The amount of the draft thi- picks.
1: The thing is, like, I trust Sam Presti too much as a, as a GM with the amount of assets they have and with the next three to four drafts being stacked with talent. Mm-hmm like
0: stacked with talent like you have Cade Cunningham in the 2021 draft and you got Chet Holmgren and, and then Amani Bates and then Imani Bates Imani Bates is going to be 2023 right he's a junior right yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. he's gonna be a, a year behind
1: unless they change the rule oh but yeah then, unless he
0: reclassifies
1: right so again like there's just so much there's a lot of talent and that's not even that's just the top picks there's so much more talent these are these are probably the next the next three to four years are probably the best drafts that we've seen in the last decade. Yep. So, you know, or potentially, you know, just in terms of hype and how much we know about these players so far, you know, and they games, potentially yeah. some of the best, right? So, honestly, like, I just have more faith in in Presti. Looking at the rosters right now, as they're currently constructed, yeah, I think that in terms of just pure growth, I think the Grizzlies are better suited. I would argue the Pelicans too, if Lonzo takes a step and if Zion stays healthy, but Again, that's, those are two big ifs.
0: I'm afraid that I'm afraid that I'm afraid that the Pelicans won't, you know, re-sign Lonzo out of restricted free agency. That's I, okay. For some reason, that's he's okay, just still. We'll take, back. <laughs> we'll take him back. We'll take the boy home. <laughs> no, we'll take we'll we'll take him. Uh, We could use a point guard that could shoot threes and play defense and play make. You know, like the Sixers could use a guy like that. But no, in all seriousness, like he's still. I still feel like he's being underrated. A little bit. So do I. And I think people are we're, looking we're, at people. both a ball fan. So this is no surprise. This is no surprise. I say this, we say this with 100% of the bias. <laughs> but no, uh, I think people are going to use the bubble against Lonzo. If you're already a Lonzo hater or didn't like yeah. Lonzo in the draft, the bubble is going to be confirmation for you that he's always been a garbage player or whatever. I'm telling you, his unique skill set of passing, size, defense and being able to knock down an open three is so unique. I, the Pelicans have to extend him. I and think so he is valuable, a good. Yeah. I think he is a good player. And you keep good players on your team. There there are times where it might be time to let somebody go and flip somebody for value. Lonzo is such a unique player. I always take chances on high upside guys, guys with unique skill sets that aren't necessarily they're just one of a kind. And I think Lonzo has a one-of-a-kind skill set if that three-point shot continues to improve. And and, and plus, his
1: chemistry with
0: Zion can't his be understated either. Oh, yeah. His chemistry – my I, I mentioned it before, but I did a YouTube video on the chemistry of Lonzo and Zion. I even did like a really bad Photoshop of a, chemi- a stock chemistry lab <laughs> photo and put Lonzo and Zion's face in it. So you could check the Sly Hooper YouTube channel if you want to laugh at that. But the, the – Wanzo and Zion are just such a perfect combo that along with Brandon Ingram, I think that's a pretty solid big three. Um, I would just say the Grizzlies, I think they're better constructed, like you mentioned. So I think I'm just going with the certainty because remember the Celtics had all these draft picks, right? And we talked about this before. I trust Sam Presti, by the way, one hundred percent. I'm sure he'll make the he'll make a lot of good decisions. he Will probably make some bad ones with all the draft picks he has. But you have to cash in on those assets. And I think the Grizzlies have a plethora of young players that have turned out. De'Anthony Melton, they didn't get through the draft, but they brought, but uh, they traded for him. They got him back. They uh, brought him back on a really cheap four-year, thirty-five million dollar deal. They obviously get John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr they steal Brandon Clark. Like they traded for him and apparently a bunch of other teams decided they don't need a small ball forward who could play defense and improve on his three-point shot. You still have justice Winslow. I like Dylan Brooks. I don't know if they're going to extend him this year. Um, I don't know if they're, I don't know uh, if he's going to be a part of, you know, the team later on by 2024, like I projected But with the talent the Grizzlies have, I just really think, um, well, Dylan Brooks already agreed to an extension. Um, I want to correct myself there. But I just think the Grizzlies have enough on the court right now to where even if the Thunder and the Pelicans do too, but I think the Grizzlies are better fitting and they're better set up. And I just see them winning a playoff series first because I'm also a big believer in John Morant. I think he is a special player. Um, he needs to improve his... He, I He improved his jumper. I'd like to see him improve him more, especially on the move. Um, but he's already a sublime passer, a freak athlete, and just incredible handle. And with Jaron Jackson Jr. there, I just think the Grizzlies have their 1-5 combo that can actually you know, fit together and run plays with each other. I think they have that for a long time, and I think that's ultimately the advantage those that team has over the Thunder and the Pelicans.
1: Right. I, I, I do agree with you on Morant. I think that my big concern with him is defensively. Absolutely. Um, And so, yeah, if he takes huge steps there, I totally see that.
0: And he doesn't even need to be a good defender. I think he ha- he's a smart player. He's usually player. serviceable. He, he's he's usually a smart player, so I think he could be serviceable. Right.
1: He just can't be a revolving door, which he was most of last year. Right. Uh Again, he's a and rookie. Is a rookie. So I'm not, yeah, rookie I don't, I don't point don't put, I, don't put, I don't put too much on that, but I think like when you're talking about the next four years,
0: he definitely needs to get better for sure. Yeah, and he so, needs to get better. Hey, and like, Jaron Jackson. Four years is not
1: like we say four years. Like it's a long time. Four years is not that long of a time. And no, it's for, not. And so like when you're talking about in 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 terms of pieces they have that I trust more. Like to me, you always went on defense. Like I would take not not going on future projection because obviously john Morant future projection like you take him way higher i would take sga over over jaw to win a game right now like if i had to choose a player to like hey you're you're playing a pickup game for your life who are you taking i would take sga
0: i agree with that
1: um so you know
0: as a piece to build
1: around over the next in the short term over the next four years to win a playoff series i think that again with sam Presti with the way with SGA being a more complete player at this point and and again also getting better and also with all the draft pick and the assets, I would still take the Thunder.
0: For sure. I mean there's no right or wrong answer. Like right. with like with all these like with all these tiers is subjective even though I am 100% right in my rankings no <laughs> um but I think I think the west is
1: pretty straightforward we'll get more into it next week when we talk about the east the east like-
0: has more big picture questions that's why we only did two for the west cuz it is pretty straightforward like the Lakers are the favorites they're going to be the favorites heading into the season as long as LeBron James is alive and breathing and on the Lakers roster the Lakers are contenders so um, yeah,
1: and all the playoff teams are pretty well like established, and like we yep. know who they are, and the teams that are bad, or we know who they are, and yeah, there's, there's exactly. very clear distinctions here. Where the the East
0: is just kind of a the East cluster. is gonna. I'm I'm excited. <laughs> I I was excited for this podcast. I'm excited for the East podcast next week. Um, and I will try to leave out as much Sixer bias as I can. No promises. Probably won't gonna happen. Not gonna happen <laughs> as often. But stay tuned for that episode next week. We are done previewing the West for this episode. Um, Stay tuned for the uh, stay tuned for box out banter next week. And uh, until then, until then, we'll talk about the East, and we'll see you then.
1: B O B.